Psalm 23, uh, I'll read verses 1 through 6. The Bible says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Spurgeon called this psalm, Psalm 23, the pearl of the psalms. And when we come to the end of verse number 5, which is where we're at this morning, these four words, my cup runneth over. This is David's reaction to what he has written about now for five verses. And David says, based on the contentment and the freedom and the care and the guidance and the love that I have found. Now, he literally explodes with praise in this phrase, my cup runneth over. When David says this phrase at the end of verse 5, that my cup runneth over, I could spin that phrase a lot of ways, honestly, but I sincerely believe that this is now David's response to all that he has told us for five verses. That he spent one, two, three, four, five verses now telling us about the life of a shepherd and a sheep and all that uh, we get to experience at the hand of our good shepherd. And now here at the end of verse 5, and understand that those verse divisions are man-made. David didn't divide the verse right there. But now he goes into this phrase, my cup runneth over. And then even verse number 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That now David begins to give his personal response to sheepish. He begins to tell us his praise and what the Lord is doing in his heart at that exact moment as he considers all that he has told us about so far. And this is, this is something that David is now bursting with praise for. And I want us for a brief moment, maybe five minutes here this morning, to kind of recap where we've been in this series and to walk through quickly the first five verses to help us get a bird's eye view of, of what we've learned and what David has said through this chapter of the Bible and why it is that now he can say, my cup runneth over. God has been good. I am so blessed. I can glory to God. Why can David say this? We've walked through this psalm and we looked at verse number one, the Lord, that Jehovah, God Almighty, creator of the universe, a still point in a turning world, that the Lord is my shepherd. Not he belongs to me, but I belong to him. That I'm proud to belong to the good shepherd that, like in Toy Story, that Woody had Andy scribbled on his boot and he was proud that he belonged to Andy. David is saying, I'm proud I belong to the good shepherd. I'm proud that I have him and that he is my caretaker. And because of this, I shall not want. It's a contentment with who I have that's yielding a contentment with what I have. That David is saying, I found the pasture where contentment goes to die and now what I have in life in my, in my good shepherd, I understand that's much greater than what I don't have. He's given me all that I need. And it's not that there's not a, a tough time, but I have all that I need in him I shall not want. He says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. That 
I found true freedom. I found the right boundaries. And with that comes rest, comes nourishment. And no longer is fear and friction dominating my life so that I can't lie down and rest, but I can be content and the waters are calm internally. I'm satisfied with what I have at the hand of my good shepherd. My personal favorite phrase in this entire psalm is, He restoreth my soul. Just as a good shepherd picks up the cast sheep that has fallen down and cannot get up on his own, so too the shepherd picks me up. And David says, what good are green pastures if I have a black soul? David's a man who dealt with some industrial strength sin in his life, and he was able to go to the Lord and to be reclaimed and to be redeemed and to be restored internally because of what the Lord would do to him. He says, then he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yes, he's leading me for my good, but over and above this is his glory. That this is, at the end of the day, this is about him. This is holy guidance coupled with divine motive. And David says, look, I can emancipate myself from myself, from being so self-absorbed and self-centered and understand that I can live life for his namesake, for the glory of God, that I can live for him and for the eternal. Then he says, verse number four, that connects with all of us because we use it so often in the hospital rooms and the funerals. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. In a nutshell, that is presence plus protection equals peace. Even though I'm in a very scary place right now, I'm not fearful. Why is that, David? Because thou art with me, presence, because thy rod and thy staff, the protection, they comfort me. This is why I, I, I have the peace. This is why I don't have the fear. Even though I'm in a tough spot right now, it's because of the presence of the Lord and his protection. Verse number five, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. That I understand, Lord, you have gone ahead of me. You have prepared the table lands. You have done it all. And not only that, you've taken care of the enemy for me. And now you invite me to come and to find nourishment, to find rest, to find the feast. And you have anointed my head with oil, that my frustrations and irritants are gone, that I'm no longer locking horns with everyone, that my wounds can be healed. Why? Because you're putting the oil on my head. And now I can enjoy life. I can enjoy repose. I can find contentment. I can find tranquility at the hand of, of you. The harmony and health that I so badly want, I found it. And David says, based on all of this, with eyes popped, heart stopped, jaw dropped, glory to God, like boom shakalaka, hot diggity dog, my cup runs over. Like David says, based on all of this, I can't help but to burst with praise and say, my cup is running over. Look at what God has given me. Look at how good he's been. Look at the care that I have. This is unbelievable to me. The God has been so good in my life. I have been so blessed. And David takes this picture of a cup that normally in the Bible pictures a cup of or of, of some sort of sadness or some sort of uh, turmoil that you're going through. But in this picture, David says, this cup is the cup of grace at the hand of the Lord that strengthens and sustains me. And this, this is a cup of contentment and gladness and inner peace and nourishment. And this cup should be the hallmark of a Christian. 
This should be something that not just David says, but that we're able to say it should resonate with us. We should find a connection point here with David that we say, hey, my cup or my lot in life is I'm overflowing, I'm abounding with blessings, with nutrition, with all that I need from the hand of the Lord. And this cup that overflows is something that the world cannot give, but it cannot take away. It's something that David has found at the hand of the good shepherd. To be clear, this does not mean that a Christian's life is just some garden of delight all the time. It doesn't mean that there's never a problem. David is a man who dealt with sin, but he also dealt with a lot of heartache and a lot of uh, people turning their backs on him and trying to overthrow his kingdom and running for his life. David went through that. So we understand the mountains and the valleys go hand in hand. We understand that sunshine and shadows are cousins. So this does not mean that you'll never have a problem in life. What it does mean, though, is that this should resonate with us and we should be able to, to connect with David and say, I see that in my Christian life, at the hand of Christ, I have all that I need. I have everything that I could want because the Lord is everything, because he's done it for me. And this should be something that we say, I know in my good shepherd, in Jesus Christ, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, that my cup overflows. I have not just what I want, but what I need. And that this is, this is a spiritual blessing here pictured for every believer that the good shepherd is able to meet with sufficiency all that we need. But here is, here's the truth and the tough point of these four words. When David says, my cup runneth over, Oftentimes, we don't feel that way. If we're honest with ourselves, David comes to this point and he bursts with praise and he has this mountaintop experience of looking at all that God has given. But there are times in our lives where if we're honest with ourselves, it doesn't, it doesn't resonate. It doesn't click that I can go through life without really feeling like my cup runs over. So why is that? It's not because Jesus is less than we need. It's not because he's insufficient. It's not because he hasn't provided. Why is it that David could come to a point and say, I look back on, on all of this and I can say, my cup overflows. Why is it that we sometimes, maybe even oftentimes, cannot say the same thing? That's what I want to, the question I want to address this morning. And I think as we address that question, we'll find the solution to get us back to this point over and over and over again so that we can connect with David. Why is it that we sometimes cannot say that my cup is overflowing? Reason number one is this. We oftentimes focus on self rather than the shepherd. The overarching logic of this psalm is the Lord is, I shall. That's the overarching logic of the entire piece of literature. And David says, when I see him and what he gives and what he does and who he is, then it puts me into perspective and he is, so I shall. But what we do is we flip it. And we begin to say, I am, so he shall or shall not. What we do is we begin to become self-focused and we begin to say, well, I am a wretch, I am a mess, I am unworthy, so he shall not really want me to come pray to him and have a relationship with him. Or sometimes we, we do the opposite. We say, I am 
good enough. I am the man. I have life under control. I am good right now, so he shall have a very small place in my life because I don't really need him that much. And that's what most of us, probably all of us in this room, wrestle with one of those two items, either this this self-condemning heart or the self-promoting heart. Many of us in the room would wrestle with a self-condemning that you're, if you listened to yourself as, it, as, you, as yourself talks to you day by day, week by week, you would, it would tell yourself that, you know what, I'm pitiful, I don't measure up, I'm unworthy, I'm depressed, that your heart is self-condemning. Now some in the room are the opposite, that your heart is self-promoting. And you struggle with pride and it tells you that I'm okay, I can do this, look at all I've accomplished, look at my education, look at what I have, I'm the man, I'm the woman, I can do this. But both are self-centered, both are selfish. And the solution to both of those, whether your heart is self-condemning this morning or whether your heart is self-promoting this morning, the solution to both of those is to focus on the shepherd, to focus on the Savior, what he has done for you in redemption and to see that the cross completely demolishes both of them. That as you approach the cross, you see that my self-promoting heart gets squashed. Why? Because I'm a sinner. I'm guilty. I'm so bad that I need someone to die for me. But your self-condemning heart also gets squashed because the cross also tells you I'm valuable. I have infinite worth because someone did die for me. The solution to self, the solution to, to see life the right way and to have this heart that my cup is overflowing is to change it from focusing on you and to begin to focus and hone in on the shepherd, to meditate on Jesus Christ, to read the Gospels, to understand him more, to have a prayer life with him. As you do that, as you begin to focus on him, then the heart and the emotions and the mind begin to change. You begin to, as you renew your mind, you begin to be transformed. That's what what the Bible tells us in Romans 12. This is something for me practically that gets fleshed out on a daily basis through my morning routine. I'm not, admittedly, I'm not a morning person. I hate the morning, you know, spring ahead, whatever. Some of y'all are all chipper and good. Not me, okay? I got here at the last possible moment I could get here this morning. That's a true story because I did not want to get out of bed. And I'm not a coffee person, so that doesn't wake me up either. So my, my morning wake-up is, is the shower. It's like I need, I need, I need that hot water, okay? I, and, and I need help from that. But through my morning routine, my, my mind every morning is I'm going through my routine, and it's kind of in the back of my mind that I'm doing it, but I just begin to meditate on the Lord and specifically on what he did for me in Calvary, what he did for me, the Garden of Gethsemane, as they take him, going through uh, the crucifixion story, then the resurrection. My mind meditates on that every morning. That's not, attaboy, way to go, good for you. That's, I need that. If I don't do that, if I don't begin my day with focusing not on me but on him, I'm a mess. It is so easy for me to, for that to change even in a moment in a day and for the world to start to revolve around me and what I have to do and what they said and, and how I look and da-da-da-da-da-da and all of a sudden become self-centered. And when that happens, we find that the discontentment begins to grow and it's very difficult for us all of a sudden to say, my cup is overflowing, that God is good, he's done so much for me. Why? Because I'm focused on self instead of the shepherd. Secondly, I would say this, and this is probably the most difficult, we focus on the temporal rather than the eternal. Here's what we do. We go through a day, we go through a week, we go through a month, and we get so focused on that job, 
that money, the relationship I'm after, what they think about me, what they said about me. And all of a sudden, before we know it, we've forgotten to focus on the shepherd. Our prayer life is pushed to the side. Our personal time in the Word and meditating on it becomes an anomaly. Why? Because we're focused on the temporal. We're focused on this day to day. And then before you know it, it's just, well, I come to church a little bit. You know, I, I get a little bit of God's Word here. And I turn on Word FM occasionally when I'm bored and I'm driving down the road. And, you know, I, I get a little bit. I'm, I'm spiritually minded. But, I mean, after all, I, I don't want to be so heavenly minded that I'm no earthly good, right? How many of you heard that one? Yet to meet that person. I've heard a lot, but I've never met that person that's so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. Never have. And we begin to give ourselves excuses and lies and excuse away why it is that we're so focused on the temporal instead of the eternal. Isn't this something in the life of Paul that we, we look at that man in the New Testament and we look at his life and it, and it so connects with us. Why? Because Paul is so focused on the eternal that the temporal doesn't phase him. Paul constantly has people after him trying to shut him up, trying to lock him up, trying to do whatever they can. But the problem is those people don't realize they're using temporal means to affect this man, and it's not working. That they come after him, temporal, 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 temporal. But Paul is fixed on the eternal, and it really doesn't have an effect on him. That they come and say, I know what we should do. This will shut Paul up. Let's beat him. Let's persecute him. Let's flog him. But Paul turns around and says, hey, in my weakness, the Lord is made strong. Go right ahead, buddy. Then they turn, okay, well, let's, let's not do that. Let's just imprison him. So Paul takes his chains and begins to lead people to the Lord and begins to witness in prison, and it still doesn't shut him up. So then they, let's just leave him alone. And Paul's, well, to live is Christ. I'm going to go plant a church here, and I'm going to go witness here, and I'm going to go win Lydia to the Lord by the river, and I'm just going to tell, tell the world about him. Well, let's threaten him with death. Well, to die is gain. Bring it on. I'll go see Jesus. They try whatever they can, temporal, to affect this man, but they can't. Why? Because he's fixed on the eternal. He's fixed on the Lord Jesus and on heaven and sharing the gospel with people, planting churches, and that's what he's about, and it doesn't affect him. And, and here's the deal. Why, why can't we say, my cup is overflowing? Why can't our heart constantly burst with praise? The bottom line of this is, is here. We are content to live life with a cup half full. It's, it's, it's our problem. Many times we are okay with just going through life, lukewarm Christianity, living life with a little bit of Bible time, a little bit of Jesus time. After all, I can't have too much of that. I mean, people are going to think I'm a whack job, right? They're going to think I've gone off the deep end. I'm so focused on Jesus. I'm so focused on heaven. I'm so focused on the Bible. I mean, I want people to at least think that I'm kind of normal. I don't want them to say something bad about me. I told our Wednesday night crowd just a couple months ago, we make, we make the craziest excuses for this stuff. We tell ourselves lie after lie after lie on why we can't do this, on why it's so tough for us to focus on the eternal rather than the temporal. We tell ourselves all the time, well, you know, I, I don't have time. I don't buy that for a second. You got time for the new TV show about cakes and dresses, don't you? You know you do, Right? You take the time, some of you, you know, you just, you just got Zelda, the new game, most anticipated game for five years, and you've been playing Zelda for weeks now, right? You get, you, you, the pins game is on. 
The Steelers game is on. The Pirates game is on. Well, the Pittsburgh, you know, the Panthers, they're on. Well, the, the rodeo, the PBA, the bowling, the, it's all on. I'm not against that stuff. March Madness is this week. If you follow college basketball, I will be, I will be intent on college basketball this week. I will watch my fair share of sports this week. I will, I will confess, and I will enjoy it. But if I can do that, I better not tell myself I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to read the Bible. I, I don't buy that you don't have time. You watch TV because you want to. You dabble with your sin because you want to. You live life half content with a cup half full because you want to. It, it's not because you don't have time. Here's what we tell ourselves this as well. You know, it's just so hard. A Bible, I mean, it's so big. It's so complicated. And it's, just, it's just tough for me to understand it. No. Some of you... Three years ago, getting on the internet scared you senseless. You thought that Facebook, you thought you'd never be on there. But you know, what, you know what you did one day? You took the plunge. You went in the cell phone store and you upgraded from your basic phone. It's not a dumb phone. The flip phone, they're basic phones. That's what they call them. You upgraded from that to a smartphone and you were scared of that smartphone, weren't you? But you were convinced, man, I could get on Facebook. I could see pictures of the grandkids. This would be so neat. And you know what you did? You went and bugged. Your, your son or your daughter like 18 million times and you asked them question after question after question after question until what? Till you became familiar with it. And now you're liking this and you're messaging this and you're farm hero in this and you're, you're in it. You learned. You applied yourself. Some of you, we got a lot of hunters in the room. Some of you 10 years ago, you picked up bow hunting. Yeah, you, you hunted with a rifle, but your buddy convinced you, bow hunting, man, it's the way to go. There's, there's so much more of a thrill. It's so much more difficult. I mean, you feel like a Native American running through the wood with moccasins. I mean, you just got to gotta bow hunt. So you know what you did? You didn't know how to bow hunt. You got all geeked out. You went and bought the gear. You subscribed to the magazine. You started watching the YouTube videos. You started practicing. And now 300 yards, you're Robin Hood, just sniping deer through the heart, just letting it go. How'd you learn that? How'd you get good at that? You did it consistently day after day after day. You applied yourself. Don't tell me you can't do that with this. Do we live in a day and age where you have more tools at your disposal and more discipleship helps for you to learn the Word of God than ever in history? Start reading it. Pick up a book. Pick up a help. Read a blog. Get on a podcast. Whatever it is that you want to do. But don't tell me you can't. Don't tell me you don't have time. Don't tell me it's too hard. We, we tell ourselves these lies, but the bottom line is we're focused on the temporal. And we're content with it. We're content with not living life all out, pursuing Jesus Christ, that I am living my life for him. I'm focusing on him. I'm focusing on the eternal. And then we end up feeling like we're a bag of bones, malnourished. Why can't, I'm saved. Why can't I say with David that my cup runs over? Because you're so focused on other stuff. And it's very easy for us to get in this mode where he, it just, he just doesn't resonate with me right now. I don't feel like my cup runs over. Why? Because I focused on the wrong stuff. Thirdly and lastly, I'd say this. Why is it that sometimes we can't connect with David here? We focus on our problems rather than our provision. I encourage you on the back of your connection card, one of your next steps this week is to take some time this week on your own, with your husband, with your wife, with your kids, and to write out just a blessing list. Take some time this week, 10, 15 minutes, 
and just think for 10 minutes, I'm going to list as many blessings and as many good things that I have received from the hand of the Lord. I'm going to take what the Connors just did and they say, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to write it out. I'm going to type it out. I'm just going to, you know what that will do for you? As you begin to focus on the provision and the blessings that God has put in your life, all those problems start to minimize. I did that this week. I just started typing this and that and this and that. I mean, blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing for about 10 minutes. And here are 15 or so blessings that I came up with. I grew up in a Christian family with Christian roots. I'm thankful for that. I have an amazing wife, and I married up, truthfully. I'm thankful for that. I have two kids that are beautiful, healthy, awesome. I love that. I have my own personal health. I'm American. I don't know if everyone in the room is an American citizen. Personally, I am. I'm grateful for that. I'm saved. If I had nothing else, and I just had that, that I was saved, I could say, Jesus, that's it. I'm good. I'm saved. I have God's word. I get to learn about him. He wants to have a relationship with me. I get to pray. I get to talk to him. I have food. I have clothes. I have a roof over my head, which a lot of people in the world do not have. I have a job. I have an unbelievable church family that I love, and it's a joy to be able to serve and work alongside of. We have the black and gold. We got the Steelers, the Pirates, the Pins. I'm thankful that I don't live in Cleveland and have to cheer for Cleveland teams. One championship a century is terrible. If you're from Cleveland, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry for what I said. I'm sorry you have to live there and that you have to cheer for the teams day after day, week after week. I, got, I woke up this morning, there was a pillow under my head. I didn't want to leave it, but I was glad it was there. I, I turned around and I put my feet on carpet. Carpet feels good, doesn't it? I put it on carpet, and I walked over to the sink and turned on a faucet and clean, running water came out of there. I have a vehicle to drive to church. I have AC and heat, and you need both of those in any given week inside of Pittsburgh. <laughs> it's nuts. It's absolutely crazy. Modern medicine, life expectancy is double what it was in Jesus' day because of modern medicine. I have technology. I know some of you, you hate technology. It threatens you. You think it's the devil. I love technology. I love the way we can communicate, the way that we can get information. But it's so easy to lose sight of that. It's so easy for us to become so fixated on this problem and that person and that coworker and this, this little health issue. And it's, it's so easy for us. This phrase, my cup runneth over, it's four words in the English, but it's two words in the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, David says, my cup, kos, runneth over, ravayah. That word, Ravayah, runneth over, is only used twice in the Bible. One is in Psalm 23, and then one is in Psalm 66. I want you to turn there because I want you to see how this word is used. In Psalm 66, it's used as this abundance or this wealth that I have. But it's coupled to problems. Psalm 66, look in verse number 10. Just a couple pages back, right there past Psalm 23. Verse number 10, for thou, O God, hast proved us. Thou hast tried us as silver is tried. What's that all about? Verse number 11, thou brought us into the net. I don't sound good. Thou laidest affliction upon our loins. I really don't sound good. Verse number 12, thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. That'd be painful. We went through fire and through water, but... Thou brought us into a wealthy place. That wealthy place is Ravayah. It's, it's running over. You know what the psalmist is saying? I've had a tough go of it recently. 
I feel like I'm in the fire. I feel like I'm drowning. I feel like people are trampling my head. This is not fun right now. But, God, you have provided and you have allowed me to be, to be brought into a wealthy place. You have given me a cup that runs over despite all that. You know what the psalmist is saying? I'm focusing on the provision that I have in you, not on my problems. Not on the negative, not on the, the bad stuff that's in my life right now. Lord, I'm focused on you. So this morning I ask you, in light of Psalm 23, in light of David saying, look at what God is to me. Look at the shepherd that I have. My cup is running over. I ask you, what is the basic mood of your life? I know you'll have a rough day. I know you'll fall down and you'll mess up. I, I know that. But what's the basic mood of your life? Is it joy? Is it anticipation? Is it, man, my cup's running over, God's so good? Or is it sourness, sadness, negativity? I'm so focused on them, this problem and that person. And What's the basic mood of your life? A happy life does not happen by accident. You don't just fall into that. It happens by focusing on what you have in the Good Shepherd, who he is, what he's given, focusing on the eternal, focusing on his, provi on his provision, that is what gives you the heart of my cup runneth over. When David comes to Psalm 23, he has honed in on the Good Shepherd. He's focused on the Lord. He's focused on the care that he's under, the protection that he has, the inner tranquility, and he bursts forth with praise and says, my cup runneth over. Would to God that we would be able to join him this morning, this week, this month, and having that heart, being focused on the right items and saying, with David, my cup runneth over.